0: Good morning. All right, today we have All Access students here. So if you are a guest and you're here for All Access, would you stand up and let us welcome you to chapel here (laughs) at Cedarville. Ears to hear, listening to the stories of Jesus. We're continuing in our sermon series. We're in Luke chapter 11. So open your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11, get your notebooks out, make sure you're ready to take notes. If you're here for all access, that's your assignment for next fall is to make sure you have the Bible you're gonna bring to chapel every day, the notebook you're gonna bring to chapel every day. Take in notes down, speaker's name, main idea of the text, what text it's coming from, what the Lord's saying to you. Look for themes throughout the semester. You will find them. Today we look at Luke chapter 11. We're gonna talk about prayer. We're talking about a parable, the parable is the friend at midnight, which I, it's kind of odd that they name this parable the friend at midnight, because if you come knock on the door at midnight at most houses, you might not be considered a friend, but this is the parable of the friend at midnight, because it uses the word friend repeatedly through here, and it is about somebody going to a friend's house to knock on a door for something they need for another friend at midnight. And so that's the parable, but the context is to talk about prayer. So as we look at this context, we see it starts off in verse uh, one with Jesus was praying. And then it's his disciples who ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so this is the context. So let's start off with this disclaimer. Most of us struggle with prayer. Right here. I struggle with prayer. If you've got it down, great, good for you. You can tune out, whatever. But I think most of us struggle with prayer. So. As I was writing this message, as I was thinking about what this text was saying to me first, so it speaks to me before I ever deliver it to you all, so just just understand that. And as I'm I'm thinking through this, my thought process is something like this. Why is it that I have trouble focusing when I pray? Is anybody... Do you find yourself when you start praying over things that all of a sudden your mind starts wandering to the most obscure things, to any number of random things instead of staying focused on what you're supposed to focus on? Now, I can, I can work, I can do emails, I can play video games for hours. The new Halo, me and Samuel can sit there and play it for hours and I'm focused. I can't pray for hours and be focused. So what is it that's wrong with me that I can do more with a video game than I can with prayer to the creator of the universe. So there's part of the disclaimer. It's also this. So I pray in public a lot because I'm up here. Why is it that when I'm frustrated about something or when I think something needs to be criticized, I can find plenty of words? I can always find the right words. Why is it that when you're praying in public or when you're you're trying to, to pray to the Lord, it's difficult to find the right words sometimes? You just feel like you're struggling. You're just stammering over yourself to find the right words. And so this is, this is the problem that we have sometimes when we think about prayer. Perhaps you have those problems. Perhaps you find yourself too busy to pray. Perhaps you might find yourself scared to pray. I mean, after all, when you read the Old Testament, I mean, God did strike some people down. So if you say the wrong thing, are you going to be in trouble? I don't... He is the creator of the universe, the most powerful being there. Perhaps you wanna just fly into the radar and have God never think about you. Guess what, that's not a possibility. That doesn't work. Perhaps you have doubts. God, do you even answer prayer? Why does it matter? God's sovereign, he's gonna do what he wants to anyway. I don't know that prayer even works, so I'm just not gonna bother with it. It's probably not the reason, but some people do have those questions. Perhaps it's pride, I think this hits us more often. It's pride, so I don't wanna ask anybody for help. I mean, that's me, I wanna I want move a 400 pound treadmill up the stairs by myself rather than call a friend and say, will you help me do it? And then I wanna prove that I can figure out a way to do it and so I use all of my engineering skills to try to make that happen and then once I get it up, I'm really proud that I did it without asking for help. So that tells you why I struggle with prayer right there. Is anybody in the room like me? Are you as sinful as I am or am I the only one here? Y'all are leaving me hanging. There's like three of you in here Thank you, I appreciate that, all right. Pride, I don't ask for help, I don't need help. Do you realize that's prideful arrogance though? We need help, the Bible clearly tells us we need help. Perhaps it's carelessness, we're just careless. We don't have a strategy, we don't have a formula, we don't understand, we don't have anything, we don't even have a journal, we don't have, we don't have a book that we keep prayer requests, we don't have any idea of what we're doing, we just, it's, it's those Hail Mary prayers, right? You're only gonna pray when you're in absolute desperation and trouble and then you're gonna pray something like, God, if you get me out of this, then I'll do this. And that's the only time you ever think about going to the Lord in prayer. Our text starts off today, Luke chapter 11. And if you would, if you're able to, would you stand and honor the reading of God's word? It starts off today with when Jesus was praying. So number one, let's start off with the fact that Jesus prayed. If Jesus needed to pray, or Jesus set the example for us by praying, we're all convicted. We've gotta pray. I'll start in verse one, we'll read through. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And so when he talked to them, he said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, and here's your parable, which of you has a friend? will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come and arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now closed. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, asking it will be given to you. Seeking and you will find. Knocking and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will a heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Dear Lord, would you use this text in this time to teach us and show us and convict us and encourage us and help us to be better at praying, better at seeking you, better at knocking, to pursue your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, so here's our main idea. The main idea of our text, writing this down, we should pray frequently, boldly, and expectantly. It's what we're gonna see in our text. We should pray frequently, boldly, and expectantly. Our outline, we're gonna use the first part as context because we're talking about the parables, that's where our focus is, and so our outline is gonna be from the parable, pray boldly, and then also from the context after the parable where Jesus is walking through and explaining it, pray expectantly. So those are gonna be our two outlines as we walk through it. We'll begin though and look at the context, and the context here is the model prayer. And so, first of all, 11 when Jesus was praying. We know because we've read the gospels before that Jesus prayed all the time. Jesus prayed frequently, prayed at various moments and the fact that Jesus was praying in temptation and baptism and in verse one of this particular text and in other times, if Jesus has to pray, we have to pray. And it's not just that we know Jesus was praying, his disciples then said, teach us to pray and his comments back in verse two is when you pray, not if you pray. So in this context, we see what we would call the Lord's Prayer or a model prayer is probably a better understanding of it. And you'll note also that the words are not exactly the same as what we have in Matthew. The words are a little bit different. So what you have here is the themes that you need to use when you pray. It's not that we need to say exactly the same words that are here in Luke, because they're not the same as what we have in Matthew. There's a slight difference, the same theme, slightly different words, and so we need to get out of that routine of saying the exact same prayer over and over and over again. There's no magic formulas. There's no magic potions. We pray about different themes. Now this is is a struggle when you pray before you eat. How many of you have a prayer that you pray before you eat? pretty much every time before you eat, right? Good food, good meat, good Lord, let us eat. Is that? That's <laughs> what you do for fun, right? But thank you, Lord, for this food and bless it to the nourishment of our bodies as we're eating Chick-fil-A milkshakes that are gonna make us fat. <laughs> and so we go run afterwards. Not that I did that yesterday, but we moving on. When you. When you pray, use these themes. So, You're sitting here right now and you're saying, I don't know how to pray. I don't like to pray because I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do when I pray. Here you go, real quickly. The context of this, some themes for you. First of all, it starts off Father. So if in your mind you have this concept of God as the cosmic boogeyman or some guy that's way out there that doesn't care about you or that is so far out there he can't possibly know about you, then Jesus is teaching the disciples, this prayer is not a prayer to say to the infinite O oh, wise one from way beyond, this is father. Now when you talk to your father, you talk to your father differently than you do somebody else. Let me prove it to you. How many of you have gone over to a friend's house and encountered somebody else's father? Anybody ever done that? All of us have done that, right? When you go to somebody else's house and you encounter their father and their father comes home, the kids whose fathers just come home, depending on their ages, if they're younger, they may run up and give him a big hug. You don't run up and give him a big hug. That would be a little weird. So social cues, don't do that. If you're older, if you're a teenager, you might just say, hey, dad, or... It it all depends on where you are in your stage of life as to how you're gonna respond, but you're gonna respond with a relationship because that's your dad. If you're at somebody else's house, it's different. That's not your dad, that's Mr. So-and-so. And you're standoffish. So you're supposed to pray, not like you're at somebody else's house with their dad, But because you have repented of your sins, put your faith in Christ, been adopted into the family of God, been granted Christ's righteousness, you're to pray to God Almighty, the creator of the universe, as though he is your father. Some of you in the room may have really, really, really bad fathers. I'm sorry, I can't do anything about that. But pray to God the father as though he is the good father that you always wanted as he is the perfect father somebody you can talk to, somebody you can ask things of, somebody you can make requests of, he's the father. He's not just the father here. It says, Father, hallowed be your name. Lord, on this earth, may people revere, reverence, and honor your name as they should and not take your name in vain or disgrace your name. Lord, we want you to be worshiped on this earth. Your kingdom come. Lord, we want you to destroy the devil, put away evil, get rid of all the things we see that we don't like so there will be no more wars like we have in Ukraine. We want your kingdom to come and for you to make it all new. Will you do that, Lord? Give us each day our daily bread. But what if you're gluten-free you don't like bread? (laughs) Fair question. Give us this day the things that will sustain us as we go through this day to glorify you well and give us tomorrow the things we need for tomorrow that will allow us to live a life that glorifies you well. This is the daily sustenance. It's the things we need and it may not be bread. It may be other things that we need but we're realizing here that we need to trust the Lord is the ultimate provider to give us the things that we need to make it through the day. Sometimes that's patience. Sometimes that's diligence. Sometimes that's a good work ethic. Sometimes it's any number of things that we need in order to glorify God through that day. Sometimes it's the ability to resist temptation, which comes up here in just a minute. He says, after give us each day our daily bread, forgive us of our sins. We obviously all need that. If you don't think you need that, we'll talk later. Forgive us of our sins. And there's a condition here, which is really hard, as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So if you're in the room right now and there's somebody you won't forgive, Problem. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive all of those, everyone who is indebted to us. So this is how we pray. Father, casual relationship. You don't need big, long words. You don't have to be eloquent. This is dad you're talking to. You can tell him anything you want to tell him to. Lord, Lord, I want your name to be revered and worshiped on this earth. Lord, I want your kingdom to come. Lord, I want you to give me what I need for this day. Lord, I want to be able to have my sins forgiven, and then Lord, lead us not into temptation. Lord, help me not to give in to the temptations that may come my way, and don't lead me into anything that I can't take. This is how we pray, this is a model prayer. This is what we're after. So then he tells the story, and that's where we move to point number one, pray boldly. You'll see the word friend mentioned multiple times in here. Let me just tell you the story. So you got a guy, he's, he's in, a, in a small town, don't think now, well, actually, you you might could think now if you didn't have a car. What time does what time does uh, the Cedarville Village Market close? Do Y'all know? Is it is it midnight? Yes. Or is it eleven? Is it midnight? It's midnight. Okay, so it's twelve oh one. It's just after midnight. You've got a friend coming into your, to your apartment or or your place off campus because I don't want to break any rules in my hypothetical story here, and so. You need something to offer them because they texted you and said I'm dying, I'm starving and I need some food to eat. Well, DG's been closed for a while and you know, the RIP or whatever it is, y'all call it now, it's just closed, right? It's not there and so, I need something to happen and so you go to a friend's house. Oh, wait a second, this analogy breaks down because you all stay up way too late and don't get nearly enough sleep. You go to Dr. Kimball's house because Dr. Kimball goes to bed at like 8.30 every night and you go to Dr. Kimball's house and you better be terrified because dude's got some big hands, I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, he could just (laughs) lay hands on you without praying, right? I mean, he could. (laughs) And in this context of where this is happening, you don't have grocery stores, you don't have somewhere you could go buy stuff, you gotta go to a neighbor's house and it's 12.01, it's midnight, it's and they're in bed. Now, here's the picture. They're in bed on one mat in probably one room, and in that one room, in that one mat, all of the kids are asleep there with mom and dad. They're laying down on the mat. Doesn't necessarily say they're asleep, but it's midnight, they're probably asleep. And so they're laying there, and the knock comes at the door. Friend, give me some bread. Now, they bake the bread every day. Somebody usually baked more, so they would have some left over. You'd get up the next day and bake bread again, and so this guy didn't have any bread. He's going to a friend's house. He's always got bread. I know he's got bread. This dude likes to have too much bread. He's got bread, I'm going to his house and I'm knocking on the door and, and he's there, he's a friend. But he says, listen, my kids are already down for bed. Well, I can't get up, I'm gonna wake up the kids. Do you know how hard it is to get these kids to sleep at night? And when I get up, I gotta go to the door and the door's been closed and the door's been barred and it's secure and if I do all of that, I'm gonna wake everybody in the house up. Leave me alone and go away. That's where I would be, right? Wouldn't you be there with me? I'm asleep. I've been asleep for a couple of hours and you're knocking on my door. What happens when you knock on my door after I've been asleep for a couple of hours? If I answer the door without calling security or the police, I'm not gonna be happy. So don't come to my house at midnight knocking on the door. We're actually out, yeah, we're probably still up. but. Don't go to Dr. Kimball's house at midnight, knocking on the door. You get the situation, right? Let's see what the text says to us because this is important to know. We've read it. It's there. In verse eight, it says, I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. It's not because he's his friend that he's doing this. Yet because of his impudence, So what does the word impudence mean? I'm glad you asked, because I had to look it up. Because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So the word impudence, if you look it up online, it's got like three definitions. These are the two I like best. Cocky boldness. Does that communicate? Cocky boldness. Or because of his disregard of others. So I also looked at what other translations put this as the Christian uh, standard version said shameless boldness. The NIV said shameless audacity. The New King James says persistence and the NASB says persistence. So you think about this word impudence, why is it that he's gonna give him something? It's because he was bold in his request, it's because he was willing to make a somewhat arrogant request, a bold request. Now. Back up. Jesus' disciples go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus tells a story here. And some people wanna make the relationship between God and the friend who's in bed, but that doesn't work. Come on, think about that. God never sleeps. God doesn't have kids that he's waking up. God is, he's telling them to pray. And just after this context, he's gonna say, seek, ask, knock. He's not saying, I'm reluctant to give you what you want. He's saying to them and making a comparison between us and the friend who is knocking. He's saying to them, I want you to be audacious in what you ask. I want you to be audacious in coming to God to ask him for whatever it is you may need, whatever it is you may want. You're coming to him, praying to him as though he's your father. Now, if one of my kids needs something and they come knock on the bedroom door at midnight, that's not a problem. What's going on, you okay? I mean, there's an immediate concern. There's not an immediate anger. Well, maybe this is just me. I'm not going to be happy if you knock on my door at midnight. Well, we'll call it 3 a.m. at my house. If you knock on my door at 3, or we could call it 6 a.m. at my house. If you knock on my door before I've had my first cup of coffee, I'm not happy with you. But if you're one of my kids, what's going on? You okay? Do you need something? Can I do something for you? You see the different reaction there. And Jesus has thrown this story alongside. He has tossed out this parable. And so he's already given them the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer as a background to it. And now he's saying, come ask audaciously. Come be bold. And this friend helps because of the bold request. And then we move to verse nine. Verse nine, we get an and. That and's gonna tie this back to the parable that we just looked at. And this is where we are taught to pray expectantly. Look at what he says now. Jesus in teaching them how to pray says this, and I tell you, ask, seek, knock, underline those three words because they're repeated in verse 10. And when they're repeated, we understand that If it's in class and things are repeated multiple times, the professor is trying to tell you this is gonna be on the test, this is important, you need to get this information. If it's in the Word of God and it's repeated multiple times, then the writer inspired by the Holy Spirit is saying, this is important, you need to get this, pay attention to this. And in verse nine it says, ask, seek, knock. And then in verse 10 it says, ask, seek, knock. So I'm pretty thick headed, I don't always get it sometimes, but what Jesus is saying to them is he's taught them how to pray in a model prayer Pray to me like I'm your father, ask me for these types of things in your life, ask me boldly, be audacious in your request to me and then we have just been invited to actually ask the God of the universe. Ask and it will be given to you. And we'll come back to that because there's a caveat we all wanna put there. Seek and you will find. You wanna know the God of the universe? Seek him and you'll find him. Knock, and the door will be open to you, you will have opportunity to then have that relationship to have that presence to be in the presence of the Father, the Heavenly Father who is the Father of all things, the giver of good gifts. You mean that me, little bitty me, me that's messed up all the time, me that was a rebel against the King has now been invited because I've been united with Christ to where I can ask God Almighty for whatever I want. I can seek God Almighty and have a relationship with Him to understand and know about Him and I can have a door open to me and have presence with Him. That's exactly what He's saying. Look at what happens the next verse for everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks it will be open so what's our problem we don't ask we don't seek and we don't knock what's wrong with us we're sinful we're prideful we question whether the word's even true We question whether God actually wants to hear my prayers or will answer my prayers. And so then he uses an argument from lesser to greater. So if you're making a debate, if you're making an argument, you move from lesser to greater. This is exactly what he's doing. Verse 11, he says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? To which, when I read this, I just have to pause and think, How did this even come to his mind? Had this happened before? Like, was this a common thing that were there are serpents that looked like fish? And you're like, hey, Dad, can I have a fish? Here, catch. <laughs> no. I Matthew says the same thing. So it's like, all right, you dudes are hanging out with some weird fathers. But he's using an argument from lesser of greater. Any of you, you're not going to do this. You're, you're not going to give them a serpent. Or in verse 12, an egg and a scorpion. Now, in Matthew's version, it's a stone or a piece of bread. If you ask for bread, you're gonna give him a stone. You bite off a stone, you chip a tooth, and then you gotta go to the dentist. And here's a scorpion, which I don't know what happens if you try to eat a scorpion, but apparently the commentators try to make this sound all nice, and so they say like, there are certain serpents that look like fish. Well, this is just, it's ridiculous, all right? And there are certain scorpions that when they ball up, they kinda look like an egg. Like, okay, great, you spent too much time reading books. Jesus is saying here, nobody is crazy enough to give you a serpent or a scorpion if you're asking for a fish or an egg. Then look what he says here, because we gotta take a caveat. If you then, comma, who are evil, we're coming back to that, comma, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will a heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit's coming We have the Holy Spirit within us, so perhaps we should ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk in the Holy Spirit, to have the Word of God dwell in us richly. That should be our prayer because Pentecost has already happened. But don't forget that little phrase there, you who are evil. Now take a moment and think about that. Jesus, as he's talking about prayer and doing all these things, has this little caveat and says, you who are evil. So he's talking to me, so I'm a dad. So you who are evil, so am I evil? Yes, the heart is deceitfully wicked, who can know it? How does this interact with a worldview that you might encounter in secular educational models or in society, where well, we are internally good? Ronald Reagan, one of my favorite politicians, on his, uh, if you go to his library and you look at that, he, I believe all people are innately good. I love you, Ronald Reagan. They are not innately good. All people are innately sinners and rebels against the king who have inherited a sinful nature that causes us to flee away from our creator. You don't have to teach kids how to do things that are wrong. It happens naturally. We all understand that we are sinners if we just look at the evidence. And here it is. You're a blank slate. No, you're not. You are defective material return to cinder by repentance and faith so that you can be made new. Sinners, you who are evil, and even though I'm evil, even though I'm wicked, even though I'm broken, even though even now as a saved person, I still struggle with the flesh as Paul calls it. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? Even though I still struggle with the flesh and I need to live life in the power of the Spirit, I know how to give good gifts, so I like giving good gifts. You can ask my wife. I like giving really good gifts to my kids. It doesn't matter what it is, I like giving good gifts, I like giving expensive gifts. And so, but I don't give my kids everything. Why don't I give them everything that they ask for? Because that would be bad because then they would think everything just came easy and you wouldn't have to work for anything and then they would be more spoiled than they already are because i probably give them too much anyway and so, So whether it's candy or ice cream or whether it's video games or whether it's Legos, oh my goodness, the Legos we have at our house. It's Star Wars Legos, Lego City Legos, Jurassic World Legos. We got Legos for days at our house. We have a Lego room at our house. Did I forget one? what did I forget? Marvel, oh we have Marvel Legos too, that's right, yeah. How could I forget that? We got the Quinjet and all that stuff. Um, I don't even know what I was saying though. I like giving gifts. (laughs) I'm not gonna give everything, but I really like giving gifts and I'm wicked. So God being the perfect good Father is gonna give good gifts in the right time, in the right way, for your benefit. All right, time is getting away from us. So let's look at some concluding application thoughts. How do we pray? Number one, talk to God as you would a good father. Maybe your father's got flaws. He's an introvert and doesn't want you to talk to him at all. Maybe he's like me and he does too many emails. Don't interrupt him while he's doing emails, hey, whatever. We all have our issues, we're evil. God's not, he's good. You can talk to him anytime, you can talk to him any place. He doesn't snap at you, he doesn't get angry at you, he wants to hear your request, he loves to talk to you. Talk to God as you do a good father. I don't know what to say. What do you say to your dad? You can tell your dad anything. And if you don't, then your dad's gonna wonder, why didn't they talk to me? Are they mad at me? They don't like me. I don't know what's going on. So just as a comment and an aside, call your dad this weekend. Send your dad an email. Send him a text. Call him. Talk to your dad. Talk to your mom too. But talk to your dad. Call home. They wanna hear how you're doing. Okay, back to the the text here. Number two, recognize we don't know what's best. So many times I I make a request because you know, I think I know everything that I need in my life and sometimes the things I think I need are not really what I need. So I thought, how could I prove this to you? I thought, let's let's look at a theologian of culture, well-respected, Garth Brooks. (laughs) He's got this song, if you've never heard it, it's it's a good song. You should all listen to some country music. It will edify your soul. Probably not, but (laughs) the title of the song, can anybody guess it? Thank God for unanswered prayers. This is the course. I could could probably do the whole song, but I can't sing, so I won't try. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. I don't know that I would use this, but he does. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, Father, okay, that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. That's bad grammar, English majors, you know that. It doesn't, but this is whatever. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. You don't really know what you need, so trust God. But God doesn't answer prayer. Yeah, he does. And sometimes he says no. Because you're asking for things that are against his word and God's answer to prayer is never gonna contradict his word. God, I really wanna move in with my girlfriend. Will you let me do that before we get married? No, What are you smoking? (laughs) It's that scorpion instead of that egg, right? That's what, quit, just stop. If it's in the word and it's wrong, you don't have to pray about it. God, I really wanna go to, I wanna go pro in my sport. That sport that you already idolize and spend too much time doing and care about a lot more than you care about God, and then he's gonna let you go pro and make a career in idolizing something other than God, is that good for you? No. So maybe you don't have your priorities in the right order and that's why you can't get the thing that you want and the thing you keep praying for is God saying, no, 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 that's bad for you. I'm not gonna give you that. So sometimes God just says no. If it's in the word and the word says don't do it, don't even bother praying about it. It's your sinful nature talking, it's the flesh, it's the devil, it's over, you're not getting it, no. I think I've said that as a dead sometimes too, but anyway. Sometimes God says slow, the timing's not right. God, I really, really want to date with that girl. I want her to be my girlfriend. You're a freshman, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. Focus on becoming the right person, not finding the right person. She doesn't complete you, Jesus completes you, and once you're completed, then perhaps you'll be good for somebody else to run the race with. Now, if you're a senior, if you're a senior and you haven't asked somebody out yet, I'm just saying, send me their name. I'm getting ready to call them out on stage in the next few weeks, and so. I'm just saying. I don't even know why I'm saying it, but I'm just saying it. God says slow. Sometimes God says go. Everything lines up just right. Everything is is good, It's, it's within his will, it's good for you, and God says go. Sometimes we only think God answers a prayer when he says go. But if you've got a good father at home, you know good and well that good dad often says no. Or that good dad often says not right now. And that good dad has your best interest at heart. All right, number four pray frequently, pray boldly, pray expectantly. I have fears. God can handle your fears. I have doubts. God can handle your doubts. I have questions. God can handle your questions. Who do you think you are? You think God hasn't heard it before? All the billions of people that have existed and prayed to God before you and you're worried about whether he can handle your questions, you're not that smart. (laughs) He's got it covered. I'm angry. Yeah. Tell God about it. It's better than telling somebody else about it. He can handle it, he's God. You're not gonna surprise him, he already knows. You're not telling him about it, you don't even know you're thinking it. All right, I gotta quit. Finally, God is faithful, you can trust him. He's a good God, he's sovereign, he loves you more than anybody else loves you. You are loved and you are cared for and God wants what's best for you, so trust him. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand who you really are so that we may worship you and respect you rightly. Lord, would you make the world the way it was intended to be? Would you one day do away with the devil and evil and our fleshly desires? God, would you give us what we need to glorify you well each day, forgiving us of our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Lord, would you keep us from stumbling and keep us from giving in to temptation Lord, would you help us to keep following you? Lord, would you help us to pray frequently, boldly, and expectantly so that we may learn to walk with you and help us to keep stumbling forward in that long relationship, Lord, with you as our good Father for your glory and our great joy. In Jesus' name, amen. And you are dismissed.